Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Emotional Duct Tape. I'm Corey. I'm Jamie. And we're excited because our little baby podcast is now uh, a, a, a stumbling toddler. That means we have our first ever guest on the podcast. This is a special day, Jamie. It is special. I'm excited. So um, we're, we're not going to give any spoilers right now, but um, our first guest ever is somebody we we met on TikTok, through TikTok, I should say. Jamie and I met on TikTok, so um, that's the, the world we live in right now. But our, our first guest, um, I first saw her videos um, about her grief and her process through healing and her journey. Um, and she was really profound. Um, and so we, we said we have to bring her on the podcast. So um, please welcome to Emotional Duct Tape, our first ever guest, Megan Rausch. Megan, thank you for being here. Hello, I am so honored to be here, you guys. Yes, <laughs> it's hi, Megan. It's so hi. crazy how TikTok is bringing us together like this. Um, that you know, Jamie lives in Florida, I live in Michigan, you're in Texas, and we yeah. all have this. <laughs> I love it. We, we all have this, um, this, this common thing about trying to process grief. So, um, you have a really great story. I'm not going to talk too much longer, I just want you to just dive into your story. Tell us about your, your grief journey. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'll start off. So earlier this year, um, how I, how I started TikTok, I was really, I wasn't sure about TikTok. I didn't know if I wanted to join. I was kind of the same, but as a lot of people and then going through um, COVID and all of that, I needed an outlet. I, you know, I was very secluded. I was very alone. I don't have a lot of family here. And um, so I, decided to start making videos and just talk about because at the time I was going through a really really tough uh, breakup and so that was my outlet um so and I'll, I'll talk more about that but um and I'm sorry my cat is eating food right next to me so I'm sorry <laughs> for that um no worries I've got some over here too <laughs> okay <laughs> so my story um I am a, I'm a psychology nerd. So um, as a lot of us know, a lot of where our grief stems from is from our childhood and growing up and a lot of the relationships that we see growing up, especially relationships or grief related to relationships and um, death or heartbreak or anything like that. So growing up, I was raised religious. Um, I was actually raised Mormon um, until I was 13. And so that kind of created a, a, a tough um, outlook on the world for me as I started to get older. Um, I luckily I had wonderful parents. Oh, sorry, my cat. Um, I had wonderful parents who um, they tried not to shelter us as much as they could, but it's still being around for in my experience, this is my experience, and I don't want to say this for everyone, but being re raised religious gave me a view on the world that was, um, I had to be perfect and very proper and very modest and don't show too much of yourself. Um, don't be too outrageous. Don't be too this or too that. And like my role was to please a man. And that was what I was kind of raised to be. Um, and so when we stopped um, going to church at the age of 13, it was just you know, I'm still so young. I don't, <laughs> I didn't really know who, like how to be or what to do. A lot of my friends kind of just shunned me. They didn't want anything to do with me. Um, so I think I had a lot of this built up 
just pain and loss from losing so many people, but also losing my identity because that's what I w- my life was based upon. Um, and then after we stopped um, going to church, my parents actually separated and they got a divorce. And that was, that's a whole nother story I could spend days on. Um, but what happened after that is my mom wanted us to, and I'll have a whole point for all of this, but I want to go through this and kind of explain. But it's important. After, yeah. yeah, yeah. So after that, um, my mom, she wanted us to go live with my dad and build a better relationship with him because um, we, and th- at this point, it was me and my younger sister, my other two siblings had moved out. So she wanted us to go live with him um, to build a better relationship with him because we weren't as close to him. So we lived with him. And at this point, I was in my junior year of high school. Um, my dad, he was raised in such a way that a woman had always taken care of him. And he, after 23 years of marriage, he didn't know how to function. He didn't know, you know, how to manage bills or live alone or anything. So me being put in a position of living with him, it, there's this um, term in psychology, and I learned this through a lot of therapy and healing from this experience of living with him where it's called emotional incest. And it's where the parent actually kind of latches on to the child and um, kind of makes them their spouse in a way. And so, and at the time I didn't know that this was happening. Of course I was just, and in my experience, and I want to make it clear, there was no, no like physical abuse or anything like that but there was um some emotional just emotional strain a lot of his actions he you know he would cry to me about his divorce he would talk to me about you know how much he misses my mom or um how much he's struggling and at the time i just wanted to be kind of that outlet for him and and it was hard because our home was a disaster too, you know, he didn't know how to take care of anything. And um, so it just created this weird dynamic. And this, you know, this is the most important relationship I have with a man. So and that was really difficult going into that dynamic, um, where I thought it was supposed to be this better thing. And then it kind of just turned into this weird father daughter dynamic. And so after that, um, after I moved out, went to college, I just had this kind of skewed outlook on what a relationship is supposed to be like. I had one boyfriend in high school and it's funny because the person that, <laughs> that person I was with, he had a lot of the traits that my father had, my dad had. And so that kind of was a sign to me that, you know, I was looking for an outlet, but <laughs> looking for someone but I chose someone exactly like my dad the same kind of patterns kind of same um I don't want to say my dad is unhealthy but kind of the same unhealthy patterns I was choosing in a partner as well um so that kind of leads me into what I wanted to talk about how I had suppressed so much anger and so much grief from all those events happening about you know, my life being flipped up by, upside down and then having this weird relationship with my dad and then not really even knowing how to be in a relationship. Um, and so I had all this pent up anger and just like sadness, not really knowing where it came from until I went to therapy. 
um, when I was, I think I was 19, um, when I went to my very first session. I grew up religious as well, and I, I still have my faith, but um, not not to the extent it was as a child. But um, so for you probably too, as a child, there's um, growing up in, in a religious environment like Mormonism, I don't know, but I can't imagine they would even really pursue therapy as an outlet for, for health um, for people, right? Yeah, I mean, no, it was never really something that was talked about. I don't remember ever seeing or hearing of anyone going to therapy. It wasn't even really a thing. So it's interesting that you said that because I haven't thought about that. Well, and then you were talking about, see, even the, um, you know, the the fact, you know, like your dad was projecting onto you. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, as a guy, I see it, you know, like when, you know, it's, a, you know, it's, it's a, like I was raised by a single mom. So, you know, when you're a kid, you think like, I got to protect mom from all the guys, you know, and then yeah. it turns out the same way, like, like kind of flips it, flips it on, its, on its head, you know, that your, your dad through, through probably really no fault of his own, like consciously making the choice, but um, leaning on you because of that expectation. And then also, because he's you're the you're the last strong bond um, he has to to a female in his life. Exactly, exactly, and and of course I didn't neither of neither of us knew that's what was happening. But looking back and going through therapy, I noticed oh, like I took on a lot of his pain. I took on a lot of his grief because because he was going through one of the most twenty three years of marriage. I can't imagine, and I took on so much of that. So. Most right. definitely. Yeah. It's, it's really hard for, um, sorry, Jamie, I'll say this real quick. <laughs> it's really hard too, because yeah, I mean, you know, you're, it's, it's just such a, a mental battle between the kid, you know, and like, you know, when, when there's brokenness on both sides, there's, there's really no good outcome that can come of it, unfortunately. Yeah. 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 Um, what, what I'm wondering is, you know, when you were living with him, you know, were you still lacking those female relationships, like friend, friend, friendships, you know, with peers that maybe, you know, you, if you had more of those relationships, it might've been easier for you to understand other dynamics, but because, you know, you were struggling with those, um, you know, that's maybe why I'm just, you know, this is me speculating. I don't know. Um, but maybe like why you chose that boyfriend that you had, you know, partially because of your circumstances, but also like lacking that other perspective. Um, do you find that that was a, was part of it as well? Yeah. It's interesting. You brought that up. Um, growing up, I didn't have a lot of girlfriends, like close friends that were girls. And, um, I just, I really secluded myself in a lot of ways. I I think I had a lot of social anxiety as well. So I kind of just kept to myself. I really didn't want to put myself out there, anything like that. So when I met um, my boyfriend at the time, um, I just like attached onto him so strongly. And like, I was so heartbroken when we broke up. And in a way, I think I put a lot of myself like into him because I didn't have any other outlet. And so he, like, I just, he was the person I spent the most time with. I had one other good girlfriend, maybe one or two, but I didn't see them very often. And 
all I wanted to do was spend my time with him. And I kind of just secluded myself. I don't know. Um, so I wonder, I wonder that too, maybe if I had other female um, influences in my life, of course, my mom was there, but I didn't see her very often. Um, yeah, so I think that definitely could have had an impact if I, you know, branched out more, I had different, different relationships during that time. And I think part of it too is um, just the fact of that when um, this applies for marriages or or um, like boyfriend, girlfriend, or even fiancés and whatnot, but it's it's when you don't have something outside of yourself that's that's like who is Megan outside of the relationship, you know? If you're only Megan, yeah. relationship Megan, and you're not, you know, you don't have this identity that's that's yours that nobody else can touch it, mm -hmm. it, it really messes with you. And I'm sure you're going to touch on that at some point, this conversation, but I mean, yeah. I want, especially I, I was what, 16, 17, 18 during oh, that yeah. time. And it I was, was a hard enough time as is, uh, <laughs> you know, I yeah. and, and to have lost, you know, had you, had you lost your faith at this point you had, is that right? Mm -hmm. 13 and then going into high school for that. Yeah. So it's just, you know, so you still school. have those remnants of it in the background of your head, yeah. you know, yeah. but then you're also trying to like, you know, accept all of these things, you know, um, like I had a, I had an ex-boyfriend who was um, a Jehovah's Witness who lost his faith. And so, you know, I watched him grapple with those things of like, he had, he, he had his beliefs, but then he also, you know, came in, in into a different world where those beliefs didn't stand anymore. So like trying to accept the new things that were so new to you, but also realizing that the other things maybe weren't so true. And I, I mean, I just can't imagine how hard of a, to deal with all of that on top of just being a teenager. Yeah. Being a teenager alone is difficult. And then I, it's interesting when I finally went to therapy, um, once I moved out of when I once I finally moved out of my dad's house and I was on my own, finally went to therapy and I realized this is what was so fascinating to me is I actually had blocked out so many years of like probably a span of three years or so. There's so much of that time I don't remember. And it wasn't until I went to therapy that those memories started coming back because I couldn't piece together what happened between um not going to church anymore and then um my parents divorcing and then me moving in with my dad and that whole story like there were so many things that were I lost just completely gone out of my memory because I think in a way I was trying to survive and cope and at that age at least for me I didn't know how to cope or cry or um anything so it was just a very strange experience and then looking back on it through therapy is just so fascinating but yeah how, yeah, how, our, I, how our minds how our minds cope with it without us knowing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I love that, you know, therapy brought that out of you and helped you figure that out because that uncertainty can lead to so much anxiety and stress and just make things that much more difficult. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure too just the the process of I, the, I mean, I, therapy is great. And when you get those aha moments, you have to look back and go, oh my God, like my, like you have to go and kind of revisit your past, but you have to have to mourn that reality of your life. And you're like, oh my goodness. Exactly. Yeah. Because there's so many things that 
at least for me, that I lost and in my memory, and it was a survival mechanism um, for me. And so, and then realizing those things again and remembering all those memories, it was like, oh my gosh. And then going through the process of grieving it again and working through it. And, um, but this time not pushing it away. Cause at that point, I just didn't want to see it. I didn't want to look at it. I just wanted to get through school or whatever was in front of me at the time. Um, yeah. So going through therapy, it really forced me to face it. So yeah. Awesome. And, you know, like I hate to say that it's <laughs> awesome, but it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And um, it's funny because my very first therapy session, I walked in and I sat down and I just started crying, <laughs> just started crying. And, you know, I look back on it and I'm like, why did I like what what was going on? And I think I just did, like finally felt that I was safe. I think I think that's what I was feeling in that moment, because I was like, why did I just start like it was almost like hysterically just crying um and I hadn't even said anything he hadn't like my therapist hadn't said one word <laughs> and so it's just I think I finally felt was in a place where I felt safe and I was I was felt heard just by someone's presence well what's amazing too is like how um well for me like I know when I went to therapy like my walls were up pretty like I'm a pretty open person but my walls were up but you I mean you clearly needed to to have a space to be vulnerable like that. I mean, I mean, that's, that's really important. Yeah. And I, I just, I usually think of people like, I'm not going to talk in therapy, but you're like, <laughs> just, you let it, you just drop the floodgates. You're just like, okay, here we go guys. Yeah. yeah. And it. yeah. Well, it's like a visceral reaction. It yeah, sounds it like, is. you know, I, that happened to me. My, I, I, I only, I've only gone once and I mean, we, I just went for the intake. I never actually went back. Um, and I cried the entire time, and it was like, like I, and I'm like, I'm a very like, I'm, I'm a, a, a soft-hearted person, but I'm a cold person in my in showing my emotions. Um, well, except that, but I'm also like a softy. I'll cry for everybody else, but I don't cry for myself, kind of thing. But when I it was, I had the same exact thing. So it's really cool to hear this, and like, uh, this is exactly why. Um, I felt so strongly when Corey came to me with the podcast idea because like the validation that I'm feeling from you right now, um, from hearing your story and hearing that you did like, you had the same exact reaction. Cause I was like, Oh, I'm messed up. Like, why did I do that? Like, why did I cry through the entire intake? I, she wasn't even like, we weren't even talking about anything. She was asking me some questions so she could understand my background. So thank yeah. you for sharing that. And like, it really, yeah. I, I hope others, you know, yeah, maybe feel the same way. Yeah, and it's just crazy because I realized in that moment how much I had suppressed. And maybe I didn't know it at the moment, but now I realize how much I had suppressed. And I was just, I had so much weight on my shoulders. And I was like, wow, I took on so much. And now I can finally talk to someone about it. And I just, I cannot emphasize enough how passionate I am about therapy and how important yeah. I think it is and it's not I think it's just so underrepresented um and I think we're getting more traction with it now and more and more people are going to therapy um and seeing the importance of mental health but it's just 
it's amazing. Once you go, I think you kind of see if you find a good therapist, that's a good fit. Yeah, for sure. You know, and I think there's a lot of our listeners who are probably um, either debating not to go to therapy or they're still very much anti-therapy. And because there, there is a fear. I mean, obviously like there's a fear of being vulnerable and having to confront those, those moments of grief in our lives, but, but you need to grief. Grief is inevitable grief. Um, I told Jamie, I want to get a t-shirt that says grief is dot, dot, dot. Cause grief, grief is, I mean, that's really at the the heart of it all. Um, and it, it sucks to go to that place to have to revisit what hurts you and why you hurt so bad. But once you revisit it and learn how to, to process it, like even talking about it on a podcast, I mean, it's, <laughs> here, it's, here. <laughs> it's, I, it's happening, you know, it's, it's doing the work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm so proud of you. Like, I really like, you know, like, I don't know you, <laughs> this is oh. our first time meeting, but like, I'm very proud of you. Um, Thank you. Yeah. So, so tell us, tell us what happens after that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So at that point I was 19. Um, so it's still pretty young, <laughs> really young. Um, I was 19 and I was in college at this point in my undergrad for psychology. And, um, at that point I had broken up with that boyfriend from high school, wasn't really talking to him anymore. Um, but then quickly after that, I met my boyfriend that I have talked about quite a bit on my TikTok. Um, and I was still 19, he was 20. Um, and just, I guess, long story short on that, because there's a lot and we can go back and talk about more. Um, we were together for five years um, and we broke up in September of 2019. And throughout that relationship, I learned so much about myself. And this is the point I want to get across is that our relationships are such a huge reflection of our relationship with ourselves. And so I guess I kind of want to skip to the end and the kind of the heartbreak and the grief with that and where I'm, where I'm at now. Cause I think that's the most important thing. So sure. we were together for five years and those years, I believe the beginning of your twenties, I mean, I'm 24, almost 25, <laughs> but yeah, what I know you're now, still young. <laughs> yeah, you're still yeah. Young. yeah. What I, what I know now is um, those years, our major growing years. Um, and, you know, our teens are a huge time in life, but I believe like those years were crucial for me in figuring out who I was, what I wanted, the type of relationship that I want, how I deserve to be treated. So September, 2019, um, we broke up. We had, mo- we had moved to Texas at that point. Um, I'm actually from Idaho. So that's where I was born. Um, we moved to Texas. I moved here with him for his job. And I was going to school, still finishing up my undergrad. September 2019, we broke up and we were together for five years. And at that point, I I had in my mind that we were going to be together and I was going to marry this person. Um, but there was always this little voice in the back of my head that said, this isn't it, this isn't it, this isn't it. And I've talked about this a lot on my TikTok um, about where there was always this voice in the back of my head saying that this isn't this isn't the relationship. But I didn't want to listen to it because if I listened to that voice and chose to leave him or chose to end the relationship, like who was I? Like 
<laughs> where was I going to go? What was I going to do? I had no idea. And so I just pushed my own voice is what it was. I pushed my own voice so far back that I had, I couldn't even trust myself. I didn't know how to trust myself because I had been denying my feelings for so long for really four to five years being in that relationship with him. This is why I say like our relationships are so important. They're such a direct mirror of how we show up to the world and how our relationship with ourselves. And so what I realized is it, the relationship started to get so bad. And so we became so distant from each other that it just felt like the world was literally trying to tear us apart. I was going to say, it's just so fascinating because I, I talked to Jamie about this too. And uh, other people in my life, it's when you're in a relationship and you, uh, you break up and then you stop and you go back and look at all those moments, like those little moments that didn't seem like that seemed like, Oh man, if I can get through this, you know, we're going to get through anything. But then you're looking back and going, wait a second. That was a sign. We should have ended it right then and there. And then you go, okay, but we got through that. They go, wait, but the next one, like, and then you see all the different points in the relationship where, where you, you go, whoa, that was a sign that this should have been done. But in my head, I just, I was, because we, we have this perception of romance and love in our, in our, our minds. And, um, we, we idealize love to the point of like, you know, our greatest, example of love is Romeo and Juliet. And that was like a, a love addiction. Like that's what it was. It ended in death and suicide. And this is like what we use as our example. Like if we just, if we can overcome all the odds and be happy together, this is, you know, we got to keep fighting. And it's really um, a very interesting thing to think about. Cause yeah, just for that reason of looking back and saying, these were the signs and that little voice in your head saying, okay, Megan, walk away. But you're like, no, I, I'm just going to push it back and keep well, moving. Yeah. And like at that age, you know, you feel like, okay, like I invested this amount of time in this person and exactly. how, like, how do I, how do I be, you know, myself or how do I be some, what I, what I want when I, you know, I've, I've done all this and like, yeah, like, do I walk away from all of this? Like, you know, have I lost th those, that time, you know, um, which I, I really try to em emphasize to people like, no, the only time you've lost is the time you, you stayed too long. Um, I really believe that, yeah, I love um, that. you know, I, I see so many, and, and like, again, I have not been in, in anything remotely like, you know, a marriage like Corey has, or, you know, in a, in, in a five-year relationship living with somebody I haven't, but I think that gives me the the luxury to be on the outside and see what people in those situations don't see. And I and I see it so much of my friends that are like, well, no, what do I do? I can't like I can't. And I'm like, but you can like I see you. I know who you are, you know, and you're this, this and this. And you can be that without that person. And I will help you get there, you know, but I like the the way the the time you stay in it is worse than if you just recognize that it's that it's not good and you and you go <laughs> yeah exactly I, I love all of that that you guys said and it's it's so tough because you're in you see all the signs like Corey said you see so many points in time where yeah I should have walked away this would have been the perfect time or 
this is enough reason. You have all the evidence. And that's what I, you know, after we broke up, I was just like, oh, these are, I, I could look back and see like, he did this, he did this, he did this. And I blamed and I blamed and I blamed. And I had all like so many things. And I had collected so much evidence against him about why he was wrong and why he should have let me go sooner or all these things. And, but I realized after many months, it's been almost about a year now. And I realized, you know, okay, yeah, he didn't walk away and he didn't let me go, you know, probably should have let me go sooner, but I also stayed. And I also contributed in X, Y, and Z. And I, I didn't walk away either. And that has been my greatest learning is taking responsibility for the role that I played. Um, and I think that's one of the most difficult. That was one of my very first TikTok videos <laughs> way, way back. But it seems like it was way back. It was only a couple months ago. <laughs> but <laughs> A lot of TikToks ago, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's easy to, yeah. <laughs> to have a lot of TikToks in a few months. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, just realizing that I contributed to it. And I think that is a hard pill to swallow because it's so much easier to blame someone and figure out all the reasons why they did something wrong because it makes us feel better. It helps us get through the grief easier, or at least in the moment, um, to process the pain and go through it because it's not on me. It's on someone else. And when I came to that realization, it was huge for me. It was a huge breakthrough because I didn't think taking responsibility for my role in the relationship would actually give me so much freedom. And I I felt like, no, how could I be responsible? How could I have a part in that? He hurt me. And that was the story. And it and I don't want this to come off as like I'm denying anyone's feeling. Like of course we can be hurt. And I was very hurt. But also I feel like there can be so much freedom when we realize that we had a role and we had a part in it too. And we can take responsibility for those things, for the things that we denied and the things that we let slip. And so it's, it's tough. Like that's not, that did not come easily. And in my experience, that is what helped push me forward after the breakup. Um, and to back up and talk about more of the grief and what I went through um, in the beginning, I, it was, it was a mutual kind of breakup. I didn't really want it to happen, but he, he came to the decision and ultimately um, decided, decided out of the relationship. And um, those first, I would say, four to five months, um, I just didn't even know how to be a person. <laughs> I felt like I was a zombie walking around. I did not, I didn't even know what to do with my emotions. Like my first breakup with my first boyfriend in high school, um, I, I still at that point, I felt like I was pushing away my emotions. I was just very, very sad, but I was like, just not going to deal with it, not going to deal with it. And then after this breakup, I just didn't even know how to handle myself or didn't know how to be alone at all <laughs> and and so after that I moved out I got my own place um and 
it was just kind of, I feel like I was living in like an out of body experience for the first five to six months because I was just trying to stop being so sad. And I, I do have to say, I am proud of myself because I did take on, um, <laughs> I, I'm, like, just thinking. I'm, like, I'm so yeah. proud. You're so mature. Like, this is so awesome. <laughs> and you should be. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Should you. Be. Yeah. And so my biggest learning from that, and I, I just have to say, I'm so grateful. I had my mom during this time because she, she, I don't know what I would have done because the, I believe like the people that help us the most are the people who have been through it and people that know and the people that can emphasize with us and who can just be there, be there with us and hear our pain and hear. I think if you're going through a breakup, it's so important to find people who will just listen to you and not try and fix it. And especially the first few months, find someone that you can text constantly if you need to. Like that was my thing. I just needed to get my thoughts out. I just had to have someone I can text. I'm so mad. I I hate him. I can't believe he did this or like, or just whatever's coming up for you. Because I, I've learned that if you don't express it and you don't let it out, it's just going to come out in unhealthy ways or it can, not always, but it can. And um, so I really, I really allowed myself to feel everything. It's almost like I didn't have a choice though. I was so sad and I was so hurt and heartbroken. and. I think a lot of that was stemming from, I just didn't know how to be alone and I didn't know how to be without him. And I had put so much of my identity into that relationship. Thinking about how you process that grief, um, obviously, you know, you kind of went into survival mode at that point. You weren't trying to, Mm -hmm. to win the breakup. You were trying to survive it. Um, Do you think there was any, any points? I mean, obviously you're, there's no wrong way to grieve, but do you think you used it? You, you coped with anything in a, in a, improper way any anything that was not not beneficial to you in hindsight yes um yeah I would say well I'll just be honest because I feel like this is a very real thing um I thought that one of the ways and a lot of feedback from friends and now even some family members told me you know best way to get over someone is to get under someone and I my first boyfriend like or the ex I was grieving he was my very first boyfriend I had sex with so I lost my virginity to him and so I really I hadn't been with anyone else and so I was like all right well I mean how do I even do that but maybe I should try it (laughs) and so yeah four months (laughs) about four months yeah you can laugh (laughs) no I just I I I feel this so yeah. hard you know I, I like yeah. I, I use sex as a way of like you know oh this is how I'm going to get somebody to love me or this is how I'm going to feel better <laughs> because yeah. It, yeah you hear that all the time but like who are these people that are saying this <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and like also I don't want to shame anyone that, that if that has worked for them and if they want to do right. that absolutely. I, yeah I absolutely. think like yeah, and it, does work, it does work for some people. I don't know. But for me, in my experience, I, I did um, I did hook up with one person. Um, and I did find that it and it was about four months after and I did find that it just it kind I don't even really know the right words to explain it. But it sent me in kind of a spiral. 
it, um, I wouldn't say it built, it didn't build up my confidence. It didn't make me feel better. It wasn't great. <laughs> um, it just, I don't know what I was looking for. I think I was just looking for something to make me feel better. And I thought maybe being with another person would give me some sort of fulfillment, but it didn't. And I think that's so I, I want to get that message out there that that you can try it. And it's okay. Right, exactly. You tried it. And, but, and yeah. That's exactly it. And you know, and, and the reason, you know, like where where I'm coming from with it is that, you know, in hearing your story, I knew that that wasn't going to be something that would work for you. <laughs> that's what, that, yeah. I guess that's right. That's, that's where I was going with that. And like, if you, if, if people knew you, like, you know, I may suggest that to somebody else. Yeah. But for you, I like, I, knowing your story, the little bit that I know, like, as soon as you said that, I'm like, oh, I don't think that that definitely was not going to work for you. <laughs> yeah no that's funny that you could even sense that from me telling my story yeah because I, looking back I would have told myself that <laughs> but yeah yeah but exactly yeah it could work for somebody else for sure but you know and, and the same thing for me it, it, in the position I was in when I was doing it I was not the person I am now and it was like it was not it did not work <laughs> Yeah, and I do think that, um, again, not good, bad, right, or wrong. I'm just saying a lot of, I do believe a lot of people use as a way to fill the void and just feel something or not feel something or um, just zone out or. Well, yeah, or be not be with themselves. Yes, yeah, exactly. The same thing can apply for getting drunk every night, you know, or, or smoking yeah, pot, you know. I mean, it's it's just a way to, to – I mean, to, to kind of bypass what, what you're feeling at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And that also uh, going off of that, I like, especially I would say the first nine, 10 months, like I, yeah, I had to smoke pot. Like the, I had there, I had fine. to have something. <laughs> I smoke okay, a lot okay. of pot. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, I, 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 I like, wasn't trying to be insulting or anything. I just, I, no, I was like, no, no. as soon as I said it, I'm like, Jamie drinks, Jamie smokes pot. I'm like, Jamie, I'm not <laughs> trying to single you out. <laughs> no, well, but it's also, you know, like I, but it's one of those things where it's the same si situation of like, if you're doing it to get away from yourself and to get away as an escape, it's different than, you know, somebody like me who has a chronic illness or just enjoys it generally, but I do it because I enjoy it and I like to have fun, not because I'm trying to get away from anything. It like, it just enhances yeah. my, my good day. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. it's, it's, I think it's a lot, you know, what, what, what I, I guess I think we should emphasize is it's a mindset thing and it's a, you know, it's, it's, it's a escapism versus recreational. I'm having fun. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. And it was like, I would say the first, I keep referring back to the months because that's how I look at it. But the first four, four, four to five months. Yeah, I every at least every evening, I was pretty good about not doing anything during the day. But evenings either had to be drinking something, smoking something, or doing something to distract me. Like, I don't know. Yeah, so I don't know if I, I, I didn't abuse them, not in an unhealthy way, but I, I can see how it would easily be abused. And I, it, I, don't, 
again, I'm like trying to be careful with my words, but I, I just want to say like, I understand for people who sure. feel like they literally can't get through the day without something like that. I get it. And so oh, it hurts my, my heart. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, you know, and there, there's no judgment here. I mean, for those listening, there's no judgment. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, this is all about how we process things. And this is, this is a very real way people process things. There's, there's no, right. wrong, there's, I mean, in hindsight, there's probably wrong ways to grieve, but I've, there's nothing, nothing here that should be shunned in terms of how are you trying to cope with, with bad things in your life. Right. And just sharing the things that like, you know, we like, you've done it, I've done it. I, you know, it's, we're all human and we do, we do things. <laughs> yeah. 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 So as far as um, like unhealthy coping me mechanisms, I would say that was the extent, extent of that um, for me at least, but I have seen, you know, friends and family definitely go further than that. And, um, and that's just kind of how we are as humans. It's just how we try to survive heartbreak like this because a lot of times we don't know how to handle it and we're not taught how to handle it so so yeah this process you're going through you know you're you're just like you're trying to survive so you're you know you're you're feeling sad some days you know you're you have this this hookup you you're smoking pot you're you're having drinks you know you're you're trying to get yourself was was there a point into these months where you just where you had some kind of revelation but was there an aha moment you had during the, that grieving process? Yeah, um, lots, <laughs> lots of moments. Um, but I guess like uh, if there was one um, moment that um, made me realize, because during this time, I thought to myself, I want him back. I want him back. I want him back. Or like, I, or I was waiting for him to reach out to me or I was waiting for him to come back to me. And I was just hoping, hoping, hoping. And the biggest moment for me, um, you know, and it's different for everyone, but about probably, I would actually probably have to say about a year. It was about a year in um, this September um, where I finally realized that I don't, want him and I never it's hard to it's hard to put it into words but not that I never wanted him but I was settling for someone who was not treating me well um and I thought that that's all I deserved and so going through a full year of the grieving journaling crying talking all of it I just realized, I don't know if there was like one specific moment, but it was like, like a span of like a week <laughs> where I was like, ah, oh, I feel good. And, and yeah. And like the whole, in that probably that first year, it was just a battle every day, almost just going back and forth. Like today I feel great. No, I don't want anything to do with him. I don't want to go back to that next day it would be like oh, like well, i miss him i miss him why do i or i miss that life or i miss our life together and then the next day it would be like no like f him like so it was just like you know i would have and i wanted very like, normal yeah and you know that happens and i still have my days like i'm not saying like i don't have days like that but 
Um, I would say, yeah, about a year in, it was, I just realized fully because a lot of the time I feel like I was saying things, but I didn't fully believe it yet. But I was saying it to try and like convince myself that no, like, no, I don't want to go back. No, I don't want to go back. Um, but yeah, after that year, it was when I truly felt, no, I don't want to go back. And there was no, no denying it in my mind. Um, and I would never settle for that type of relationship again. And I would never, um, it was just like so clear to me about what I wanted in a relationship at that point. And again, I was proud, I'm proud of myself because I did the work and I have been defining what I want and not using this time of healing to avoid and distract myself um so i hope that answers your question but it was more just like a a series of moments where i realized no like that i did i did not deserve to put myself through that relationship but yeah, Megan, I, I think that's cool though too because what I like about your journey so much on TikTok and Jamie can probably attest to this is that you you definitely have your days where you are like you're ready to to punch that wall and like break a hole through it. Yeah. And some some days you're like, guys, I'm just I'm struggling today. And I think your transparency um with that whole process, because you're you're not just celebrating the the good but you're acknowledging the days where it's hard, where you, you, you want to fall back into that habit or you, you, you miss him. I mean, five years with somebody, you're going to miss them regardless. I mean, and until, until you find somebody else who makes you feel better than they did. And you might still feel that way about somebody else because you may grieve what that. Well, I think she's going to be that somebody else. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, (laughs) Yes. You know what I mean? Like you, you already, you already are that. And then, you know, whoever comes next is, you know, it's, it's, uh, what am I trying to say? Um, I think once you find that peace and, and wholeness within yourself, um, that it sounds like maybe you, you just, you didn't have before or, you know, well, it was always there. You just weren't able to mm-hmm. to to be in touch with it. Yeah, you're you're not looking for you're not looking for the like the 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 second half of who you are. You're looking for the person who's going to come into your life, and who's going to just be like a great accessory. Like I say, accessory like generously, but like they're going to be like a great add-on, like you know, <laughs> to to the the great life you're you have for yourself. Yeah. No. Exactly. Everything that you guys just said, and I. Yeah. And I think that I, a big realization in that relationship was that, uh, I think I I even said it, that I put so much of myself into that relationship and I didn't like dedicate very, very much time to myself at all. So I lost myself along the way. And so this year of healing and just being single and, you know, being with myself, being alone, I, I really just have this like overwhelming sense of, I, you know, I'm still figuring out who I am, but I am so like, I'm so confident and I'm okay to say that. Like, and I, yeah. yeah, And I know I'm, I'm more, again, defining more of what I want and figuring that out. And I'm just, I'm so much happier and I feel alive. That's the thing. Like in that relationship, I felt very like flat and just kind of dead. And so now I just, I feel like a person, I feel like Megan and I'm, it's, and yeah, when I do find someone, it's 
someone that will compliment me, not someone that's going to, you know, make me, you know, the other half of me, <laughs> you know, someone that's an accessory, like you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is, it is really special. And I, I can tell you um, just for me, the married guy who, who's not looking for a relationship, who's like getting like these, the, you're throwing these things at me. I'm like, Oh man, I remember those. Like I, I remember feeling that way. And um, I had a very significant person in my life before I met my wife who was like the, the, the set the mold for what I wanted in relationships. And like, um, even though I'm happily married, it's still like, those moments happen like where it's like, Oh man, like that still is kind of raw a little bit. And I realize that, but people I see coming all the time on your stuff saying like, wow, I need to hear this today. Thank you so much. And um, yeah, it's, you're great making that, an impact. <laughs> it's great that you get to just like, you're just talking about yourself and people are just like latching onto it going, wow, I had no idea. Or I, I mean, I, I'm feeling this right now, but I had no idea that somebody else wasn't feeling this right now. Or I felt so alone. And now I'm like, I'm, on this journey with you. And, um, I think that's really, really special, Megan. I, yeah, I have a, I have a question. Um, you know, you, you talk a lot about uh, defining what you want. Is this something that, you know, is this a technique that you like learned in therapy or is this something that, you know, it's just become kind of part of something you, your self-practice that you, you just kind of created or. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I, I just kind of go back to one of one of my girlfriends, she said something so profound to me. <laughs> it just felt profound anyway. And she just said, it's okay to have a list. And I've made a video about this, but it's okay to have a list of your non-negotiables. And so like when referring to a partner, it's okay to know like specific things that you want. So, you know, if someone, you know, doesn't, you know, has this thing about them, you know, you don't really want to be with that person. And so just like really defining clearly, like, as a person for me, what I want in life, but also what I want in a partner, and it's okay to have standards. And I feel like um, in our society, like, it's, I don't know, I feel like it's kind of frowned upon to be picky. But yes, I think I was, like, that was the first word that came up in my head, because I hear that all the time. Like, you've been single so long, because you're so picky, Jamie. And I'm like, no, I care about myself and I choose to not settle for people that are not going to make my life better. I like, I'm sorry, but I'm just not going to do it. I'm happy. Yeah. I'm happy with who I am. And I only want somebody that's going to enhance things. And if they cause more stress and they do, you know, happiness, if so what that I'm 36 years old and never been married and never lived with someone. I don't care. I'm happy. I'm, I'm yeah. thriving. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, exactly. Cause if, if there's anything I learned in my last relationship, it's that I settled for so many things that I did not want, but I made excuses. And so I'm really conscious now about not making excuses for people and really, you know, and that's what I mean by like, I'm still defining what I want. Cause I'm learning, you know, I'm, starting to date again I'm starting to get back out there and I'm seeing more and more okay I don't like this I don't like that or I like this and I like that so yeah yeah, yeah and it is yeah. it's really okay thanks for saying that <laughs> yeah yeah and that's like it's funny because when I started my TikTok I didn't really know what I wanted it to be I just knew that I needed an outlet like I was saying in the beginning and um it's crazy to me like there's so many people that don't realize how our grieving process 
how normal it is. Because like you said, Corey, like so many people comment and they're like, is this normal? Is this normal? Is it normal? I'm feeling this way. They did this or I feel this way. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, yes, I felt that way too. It's so normal. (laughs) And I just feel like after heartbreak or loss, whatever you're going through, there's just this, I don't know, like there's this stigma that whatever you're feeling, like you need to just get over it. You need to heal as fast as you can and just get through it as fast as you can. But there's no time limit. But really, if you try and put a a time limit on it, it's just going to, you know, you're just trying to speed up the process and it's going to come back. And so it's just really being patient with yourself. And that's what I've learned through my TikTok, through my healing and what I've learned from other people is that there's no right way to do it. No right or wrong way. So Megan, so if people want to come find your TikTok, what, what how do they find you on TikTok? What, what's your handle? Yeah, it's just at Megan Roush. And my last name is R-A-U-S-C-H and M-E-D-A-N. Yeah, Megan Roush. Yep. You're also, you also, I mean, you're not as active on Instagram, or, but you're always posting mm-hmm. some really profound stuff on the Instagram stories. But <laughs> yeah, if, if you, yeah. If you want to see like lots of quotes and inspirational stuff, you can follow me oh, on there. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, mostly TikTok. That's my major platform. So, well, Megan, I, I just want to say that I was so excited to to hear that you wanted to be on the podcast and that I, I knew I knew we were gonna have a great conversation and you did not disappoint at all. No. You you you, you, you set a very high bar for the as the first guest of the podcast. Oh totally. So, <laughs> that was my goal. That was my goal. So. And, <laughs> High five, COVID five. <laughs> what, what I love too is I love that. Like, I mean, we're all getting stuff out of this, but Jamie's like, you can tell Jamie's like feeling it. She's like, yeah, like just the way she's responding. Like, she's oh, not about it. I'm like, I've cried. I've cried happy tears. I've cried sad tears through this. Like, I, it's it was just you know, I, I'm really impressed by you and um you know and appreciate like you sharing this because um it's gonna help people. Thank you. And I am just Thank so grateful you. that you're, you guys are creating a platform for this and, you know, allowing me to share my story. So it's really special. Thank you guys. Yeah, of course. Uh, well, uh, until next time, um, in here for this, this episode of emotional duct tape and um, stay safe, be well, and we will talk to you later. We love you. <laughs>